0: on today's episode of Diving In. So workism is a belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose, and the belief that any policy to promote human welfare must always encourage more work. Welcome to Diving In, a podcast aiming to explore the deeper themes behind the entertainment and content creation industries.
1: I'm Leslie Mosier.
0: And I'm Marissa Mullen. Let's dive in.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Diving In. We
0: have a really good conversation coming your way. Um, But first, Marissa, how are you? I'm good. It's finally getting warm out in New York. I feel like we always talk about the weather when we start this out, but honestly, warm weather here makes me a different person completely. I'm just so happy. It's amazing. It's like everything lifts. All of that seasonal depression, it's just Oh, I just needed some real sunshine and warmth. Yeah, and like the leaves are out. Um, I saw the most amazing sunset last night. It's just my senses are coming alive. Uh, longtime listeners who listen to our episode about work-life balance, I believe it was. I was saying that I feel very desensitized and <laughs> emo. No longer. I feel good. Things are (laughs) looking up. She's a changed woman. She's a changed woman. Changed woman. woman. But no, things are good. Last week – so on the topic of this episode, which is work is your identity, um, I've been going around telling people that I'm on a sabbatical, and I'm not. Mm. But it's mainly my way to almost remove myself from being so obsessed with work. I'm just like jokingly, yeah, I'm on my sabbatical. Don't worry about it. In reality, I'm not. But like by saying that, I think it just – you know, give some separation. And then it's hilarious when people actually believe me and they're like, What oh, what what do you do to be on a sabbatical? Where are you going? And I'm like, I actually don't even know what a sabbatical is, but Oh my gosh. That's funny. It's yeah. your Beyonce hiatus. My Beyonce hiatus, my sabbatical. We're just in a, a low chill period of work right now, which is good. And everyone needs that. Need a little bit of balance in your life. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm still working a lot, but I'm not mentally um beating myself up over productivity, which is a difference.
1: I love that. I feel like it's really important to have those kind of boundaries for yourself right now, especially because I don't know about you, but lately I've been feeling this like whiplash of, you know, the past two years have been insane and weird and very like, low key. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden there's events that we're going to, there's people coming into town to stay with us. We're on work calls and all of these things that it's like, okay, um, things are definitely back full swing. And how do I, and we'll obviously talk about this in this conversation, but um it's been wild. I mean, we have people coming into town like every weekend and um, Doug keeps us very busy and it's just... Trying to remember all of those things that do keep me grounded and sane. We literally behind our house we have a beautiful creek and we don't utilize it enough. I mean, it's like an untouched utopia of just beautiful Tennessee natural creek. And we went back there yesterday and just put our feet in the water and like found a turtle. And I this is what I love to do. I love that. It sounds just like a storybook. Like what a magical <laughs> scene. <laughs> It was really awesome. but well, That
0: just sounds amazing. And, you know, we're just so happy that spring is here. So to get into our topic today, we are talking about work and work as an identity. And I found this article um, on The Atlantic, and it just really – broke all this down in a way that really spoke to me. Um, And they talk about the concept of workism. So workism is a belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose, and the belief that any policy to promote human welfare must always encourage more work. Wow, what a concept. I feel like that's so unhealthy, and we're all in it.
1: (laughs) Capitalism. It's, It's crazy. I mean... I can't tell you – I feel like this episode is extremely timely right now because I've had so many conversations with close friends recently about this and how everyone is sick of feeling this workism, feeling like work is truly their everything. You know, who am I outside of my job? What what am I if this job were to go away? And it's really important to break it down and kind of figure out what this all is because it's not going to go away unless you give it a hard no. It is, it is going
0: to rule your life until you say no more. It's also really hard when you feel guilt and shame for not being so productive. I mean, in any job, I feel like it's actually impossible to work nine to five straight with no break and no time Mm -hmm. off I have a friend who today texted me and she was like I feel so guilty because I'm getting my nails done during my lunch break and like what if my boss texts me and I'm like no one should have to be productive for that long straight you know it's like it's just not natural as being human we we can't we need breaks in our day and it's so important to set boundaries to do that yeah and
1: our generation is one of the generations that you know A, we're we're kind of breaking the mold on this and we're wanting to be different. And, you know, a lot of that post-pandemic has been people wanting to work from home or starting their own business, finally taking those leaps. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people who are still tied up into that 9 to 5. And, you know, you talk to anyone in an older generation. I mean, my dad, he's been working the same job for the past, what, almost almost 20 years and before that it was another 20 years mm-hmm. and it's it's loyalty consistency and i mean it sucks he goes into a government building and sits in a cubicle and it, every day is the same there's no um just creativity in his life even though he's a very creative person but yeah i've i've definitely struggled with this subject even as someone who is An entrepreneur and has their own business. And I know you have struggled with it as well. So
0: it's very, 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 very common. Definitely. And I think, you know, going back to your dad, that generation had such a different um, mindset with work than, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's similar in the sense of like, you know, get your job, make money to provide for your family. But I think with millennials, it's a little bit more intense because we've entered a workforce that, we're faced with a lot of challenges with student debt, with the recession, with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for millennials, we have this feeling of workism and burnout and overworking and hustle culture um, because we're the most educated generation that has like the least um, opportunities. Like at least our parents could work these nine to five jobs and afford a house and you know <laughs> yeah. raise children. Like my mom was able to stay at home and raise me and my dad does not make a ton of money. And it was like completely fine back in the 90s. Um, But nowadays, it's like I'm in my apartment in Brooklyn looking around in the neighborhood and the rent here is so astronomical. There's no way that I could even, you know, buy a place (laughs) like let alone even in the suburbs. It's just like we are up against so many financial um, blockages. And I think that definitely in turn makes us want to hustle more to make more money so that we can actually live a life that feels comfortable
1: we're like on a conveyor belt that it's extremely hard to get off. And it doesn't help that a lot of times when you meet someone, the first thing that they ask you is, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those jobs where it's very appealing or I'm doing air quotes, cool to tell someone that you have a cool, fancy job in some industry or in an agency or you know in the entertainment world, those are the jobs that kind of Beat you up the most. They you get the least amount of money for the most amount of hours, and you better be happy with that because you have a cool job. Yeah. And, and there are thousands of people who would happily take your place.
0: <laughs> I completely agree. You know, the entertainment industry is pretty rough in that sense. Um, I feel like when I was working in New York City, um, my starting salary as a personal assistant was thirty six thousand dollars a year, which is actually impossible to live on here. Um, I had. Help from my parents, luckily. And, but like, even my parents, they they didn't help me as much as, you know, my peers who are living in the West Village in one bedroom apartments. It's like I was still in an apartment deep in Bushwick with like three roommates, which we talked about this on the last episode with um, Justine. Yeah,
1: it is extremely difficult too, because when you are young and you start working in a position, for example, I was an intern that moved to an assistant, an unpaid intern that moved into an assistant role. And at the time, I was so eager to have that job title and to be in the music industry. It's why I moved to Nashville. It was, you know, I'm working with dream artists that I was just so excited to be working with. So, yeah, I took the $10 an hour and didn't care. But as time goes on and you're like, I'm an adult. I have bills. I have you know, rent, taxes, just trying to make a living, that suddenly doesn't become okay anymore. And then you, you know, get the, you get the balls to talk to your boss and be like, I need more money. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And then you get a response like that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, there's other people out there or, oh, you know, w- well, I just can't make that happen. Mm-hmm. And then you sit back and suddenly you're accepting way less than you deserve. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard. And there's a lot, you know, looking back that I wish I could have done differently, but at the same time, it was definitely a learning experience. But all it takes is this awareness of knowing that we are worth more Mm -hmm. as individuals. We are not supposed to be so tied up in our job, so tied up in a social media appearance. Like, what are we without all of this stuff? You know? What if all of that gets taken away? How are we going to feel? You, We have these Really cool questions from a journalist, Arthur Brooks, and I feel like you and I can maybe tell, talk about the questions and go through it, you and I, and see what we would say to the questions, but I think our listeners
0: will also find them very thought-provoking. Totally. So the first one is, is your job the biggest part of your identity, and is it the way you introduce yourself or even understand yourself? Leslie, you want to kick it off? You go for it? Yeah. <laughs> I would say that it used to be. I
1: used to be much more eager to, hi, I'm Leslie Mosher, Doug the Pug. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted everyone. And I was also very, I am still obviously, but very, very proud of everything. But it was one of those things where it was, I have a funny story. There was an actor um, on a very famous TV show called Entourage. That's all I'll say. And he's met Doug a number of times. And one time I went up to him and I I didn't have Doug. And I was like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. And I totally understand that he wouldn't recognize me without Doug. But he gave me the rudest look. Like, Uh, why are you talking to me? Who are you? And, like, my face fell. And I was like, I'm Leslie. You know, with Doug the Pug, we've met a number of times. And then he was like, oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. And it just – A, he didn't have to be so rude. But that was a hard moment for me because it made me go, what am I without Doug? Mm -hmm. Like – Here I am putting my best foot forward, really kind of encouraging myself like, you got this. Go say hi. You've spent time with this person. Who cares that they're a celebrity? And then to kind of get shut down like that until I reminded him that I was Doug the Pugs owner, it was a true example of how society can treat you Mm -hmm. or even like an elite person can treat you when they know what you bring to the table, when they know, oh, does does this person have money or status or followers? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. The clout is what's so gross to me Mm. because a normal person won't even get looked at. But then someone – wait, that person has 5 million followers on TikTok and then the room swarms them. So the answer is it used to be a very big part of identifying factor. It still is, but I am working on it very much so internally. Mm. I am – doing a lot of self inner work, searching, you know, soul searching, um, a lot of that after my surgery and my health stuff. But I'm, I've been asking myself these questions for a long time and I'm, I'm feeling a lot more confident in being okay with going up to someone and them not really caring who I am without Doug the pug
0: because I know how much worth I have. But yeah, long answer. (laughs) I can relate. I feel like it's similar to me. Um, I really love kind of shifting mindset when you meet people instead of saying, What do you do? asking, What do you like to do? (laughs) Because I feel like that Mm -hmm. is just a much more interesting question. I don't care what you do for work, but what do you like to do? What makes you happy? And I love conversations with new people where I don't have to talk about what I do. I think in the past, I was very much um, obsessed with my job as my identity. It was my driving factor in life, um, (laughs) especially working in the music industry, because that is such an industry that thrives off of that. You know, it's like, you're going to these shows, you're on the guest list, you're, um, going to events. Like, what do you do? Who do you work for? What project are you launching? It's like, everyone is just really, um, interested in what other people are doing in that industry. Mm -hmm. And when I first started, I was, um, working at, uh, the late show with Jimmy Fallon or tonight show. And I was like, I want to work in late night TV, like this is my identity, like I want to be in TV and entertainment. And then working at Colbert, it really was this thing where like, you know, you'd go to a party. Or you meet people out and they're like, what do you do? I work at The Late Show. They're like, oh my God, that's so cool. And you get that feedback of validation. Mm -hmm. And that's like some weird conditioning subconsciously where you're like, oh, I am cool because of my job and for no other reason other than that, you know, because it's like we have so much more depth than what our jobs are. And this for us isn't even like we don't make money off this podcast. This is literally just us talking. And um, that's what I love so much about it because it's like it's not something that – is an ad- ad- identifying factor as a job where, um, you know, with that cheese plate, it just feels like, you know, if it all goes away tomorrow, who am I? And that's something I've really had to work on over the past year, um, developing hobbies and, you know, having conversations, having intentional conversations with friends about life that don't revolve about work around work and what we do for work. Um, that's definitely helped me a lot. And yeah, just realizing that like, work is temporary work changes work is ebb and flow but you know if you have good connections and people around you and good health that's all that really matters like i could have the best of friends and good health and work at a coffee shop and i'll be completely happy it's just like you know getting sucked into these sexy job titles really makes it hard to separate your identity from it you know going back to what you were saying about not
1: always wanting to talk about it I, I completely, I feel seen with that because lately I've been feeling, you know, what I do with Doug feels, even though it's like on the internet and social media and millions of people see it all the time, it's still a very sacred part of my life. It's very like near and dear to Rob and I. And the more we you know, bring it up in conversation sometimes, especially with a stranger. It's one thing to talk about it with friends or, you know, family, but to bring it up with a stranger, it kind of energetically opens you up to a lot of questions, speculation that can always not go the right way. You know, we will bring up Doug or someone, oh, what do you guys do? And Doug the pug, oh, blah, blah, blah. How old is he now? Like, what are you going to do? And then you're like, well fuck. Like yeah. are you kidding me? You had to go there? Yeah. Like this is a, a a a job that we we pride ourselves on spreading joy and happiness and we're so happy with our adorable pug. Like we're, this is insane that this is happening and you have your brain goes to what are you going to do? And it it really puts a damper in things, but There's also an interesting parallel that keeps popping up in my brain, and we just had our episode with Sarah, Nicole, um, Landry, the bird's papaya, and a lot of this conversation also reminds me of beauty, Mm -hmm. our beauty standards. So it's like when someone is extremely conventionally beautiful and they walk into a room, all the eyes are on them, they get all of this attention, all of this validation, and that's, you know, gives them all of those feelings. But time happens. Aging happens. Life happens. Having a child happens. You know, gaining weight. And then all of a sudden, it's like a, a crisis, a personal crisis where I don't look the same as I used to when I would get attention, you know, attention from men or women or whatever. And it's, it's just a hard thing to navigate. But I've even been trying to focus less about caring about what I look like. I'm just freaking me, mm-hmm. you know? If if people really care that much about my appearance, like I, I want to do what makes me happy with my appearance, and the same thing goes for my job. One thing I am constantly striving to do for my body is lower inflammation. Higher inflammation means more pain and discomfort, and that's the last thing I want. My number one go-to supplement for inflammation is Turmeric Complex by Paleo Valley. I really, really notice a difference when I am taking this consistently. Their Turmeric Complex is made with full-spectrum, whole-food, organic turmeric. Most turmeric supplements only contain one specific compound found in turmeric root, curcumin. Turmeric Complex contains four powerful superfoods, turmeric, ginger, rosemary, and cloves, the most potent spices for promoting healthy inflammation and protecting against oxidative stress. I'm a huge believer in high-quality supplements for our body, and I truly wouldn't recommend this if it wasn't really my go-to. For 15% off, go to paleovalley.com slash diving in. So the second question from journalist Arthur Brooks is, do you find yourself sacrificing love relationships for work? Have you foregone romance, friendship, or starting a family because of your career?
0: Hmm. That one's interesting. I feel like for me, I have definitely prioritized work over friendships, but it's because it was the only choice I had. Um, When I was working in the music industry, it was such a demanding job. And if I was out to dinner with friends and my boss would text me, I'd have to drop everything and do that. So it's almost like I was sacrificing love and friendship for work, um, not really in my control in the specific position I had. But it, everything's in your control at the end of the day. So yeah, you know, yes, I, I did do that for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because I would miss like so many birthdays, so many events, like we'd be traveling every weekend and I wouldn't see friends for months. And then I'd come back and be like, whoa, what happened? Like, I've just been working for 52 days in a row. This is not sustainable. Yeah. I know Rob has dealt with that a lot from his touring days.
1: He would talk about that, how um, like. um, his family, you know, how much he missed of his nieces and nephews and stuff cuz he was gone literally like 11 and a half months out of the year mm-hmm. touring insanely. Um I would say the same. I, you know, definitely especially in the really intense traveling parts of Doug, I would miss a lot here in Nashville and then I'd come home and I'd be like, "All right, I'm ready to hang out with people." And then you know, everyone's lives have kind of been going on and everyone has their groove. And then it's, it's a kind of hard thing to just fall back into that groove. Um, I feel like I've been better about that now. I mean, life has changed a lot since then, but
0: um, it was a hard thing to deal with for sure. Definitely. Uh, then the last question is, do you have trouble imagining being happy if you were to lose your job or career? Does the idea of losing it feel like a death to you? I'm just going to say that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, because it's like we work so hard to build these careers and to build these businesses that if it did go away, that would be so heartbreaking because you put in so much time and energy and passion and love into building something. And, you know, if like Instagram just got deleted tomorrow, which like could happen um, because like Trump was going to delete TikTok that time. Yeah. It's like a reality. It was panic when that was
1: happening. Rob and I were pacing our house like, oh, my God. Because that was when our videos were doing extremely well on TikTok. Life felt really good on TikTok. It was like, yeah, this is a thing. And then it was like Trump shutting down TikTok. Users have 30 days until the app just mysteriously like vanishes from the phone. And that was the first time I think we've ever experienced like – there is literally like a button – that someone can press and it just goes away. Yeah. Social media. It's
0: scary. And I think with all of these questions too, it's like, it's okay. If you like your job, we're encouraging you to like your job. Like this isn't like, Oh, work is your identity. That's a bad thing. Like, it's not bad. It's just, you know, what is the balance to, um, have work as your identity, but in a way that's productive and that's encouraging and it's happy. And it's something that you feel proud about versus something that is daunting and, you know, you feel like it's all consuming your life. So if you ask yourself these questions, um, you know, just take a little bit to think about it and see what you can do to change it up a little bit to have some some sort of boundaries, you know, like if you do find yourself sacrificing love relationships, is it worth it? If it is in the moment, mm-hmm. that's fine. But if it's not, and you're noticing that all these relationships are crumbling around you, maybe take a step back and put work on the side for a little. Life goes by fast,
1: you know? We got to gotta live every moment.
0: It's true. Some
1: of the problems with workism include a collective anxiety, mass disappointment, and inevitable burnout. Burnout is something that we talk about a lot on here. And, you know, with these conversations that I have been having in my friend group, um, a lot of us are very burnt out, especially from work. A lot of people, you know – One of the things I find so interesting is we have our holiday break. You know, the entertainment industry goes out for like three weeks. Mm -hmm. There is never a day of anxiety that I see visibly online. Mm. Quite like the day people go back into the office for the new year.
0: Yeah, that's so true.
1: Right? And it feels like the first day of school or something, but on a whole other level. Yeah, it's like because the biggest people... Sunday
0: scaries of all time. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: Sunday scaries. It's, it's so real. And it just shows you how many people are feeling it and how nice it feels when everybody is able to get that collective break. I mean, the other thing is America is one of the countries that is so about work whereas there are other countries that you know have a three-day weekend or really place a lot of value on you know
0: basic necessities that everyone should have but work to live not live to work author of the book the once and future worker oren cass says we tell people that their work should be their passion don't give up until you find a job that you love you should be changing the world So it's like back in the day, work literally was just to like provide for your family. And now it's like it has to be your passion. It has to be something that you love. It's like there's all this pressure put on the fact that work needs to be life. And if it's not, you're doing something wrong. If you're not working in your passion, that's a bad thing. But I honestly don't think, you know, it's not for everyone to go out there and start your own business and follow your passion and make that into a living. It's like really not for everyone. I think it's okay if you have a job that, you know, you're not putting your 100% into and you're putting your 100% into your friends and family. That's okay. Like that's okay to do, you know? Yeah. There is absolutely nothing wrong with a nine to five,
1: you know, or having a job that when you tell people they don't really find it to be a cool thing. You know, I think the big point we're trying to get at here is the boundaries we need as individuals to not allow that work to be so consuming and to feel like we're just dispensable human beings because at the end of the day, we are not <laughs> and we should never be made to feel that way. Um, we as individuals have so much more to offer than you know what we bring to a workplace or social media mm-hmm. or even like the head of the company. Um, when the work stops or the phone is off and you have a moment to get grounded, that is the real us. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we turn off completely, that is who you are, the essence of who you are. And so how do we turn that off and actually start trusting ourselves and trust that we have that self-worth to be so much more than any title or any company or any cool freaking social media account, how many millions of followers, it doesn't matter. It matters
0: like what you put out into the world as you. It also makes me so upset when I have friends – my friend recently, she has such an insane boss. Like, oh this boss is gaslighting. This boss is – she's awful. And um, my friend has been thinking about leaving her job for a while now but is afraid to because it is a sexy job title and it is something that people are really – every time she goes anywhere, they're like, oh my gosh, you work there? Like, that's so cool. And she gets a lot of perks from it. And she finds it to be a huge part of her identity and doesn't really know, you know, what she would do next but she's so miserable in this job like on the outside it seems like it's the most perfect job opportunity out there but her boss is awful everyone is so burnt out the team morale is so low and she's just like I don't know what to do because you know staying in this job I do get these perks and I'm I've been here for seven years it's like such a big part of my life but I'm miserable and I dread going to work every day so it's like when that happens you know it is so hard to do. I've been in situations like that before where I was burnt out and I was like I don't want to do this anymore, but like sometimes you're just so deep into it that it's so hard to even start looking for new jobs or looking for the next thing because like you're you're too busy working that you don't have time to even work to find a new job. And I think those yeah. types of situations where you're in these um you know, pickles in a sense, it is really difficult to, you know, not have Work be a huge part of your identity in life.
1: It's also really hard because we are taught or asked as very young kids, What do you want to do when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And there are many of us, you know, who said, I want to work in the music industry or I want to work on a late night TV show or I want to be a veterinarian or whatever it may be. And it's a really hard thing to come to terms with when you finally get. That goal, that dream checked off and it is not what you expected it to be, that is a hard thing to just walk away from. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, and to truly admit that this, this dream that you've been working towards is really not
0: what the dream life that you deserve. It's like the Paris syndrome. No, totally. I love my friend Tom. He is living in like the hills of Switzerland right now, working on a really remote dairy farm making cheese. And Tom used to work in the music industry. He was a show promoter. He worked, he was managed a few bands. He was always just like hustling, running around the music industry. And his parents own a pizza place in Connecticut. Um, And he was always really into food and, you know, farming and whatnot. And one day he was just like, you know what? I'm done here. I'm going to go start my own farm. And he just lives his life with such passion. And I visited him on his farm. And it's like, you know, he can't really leave often because he has to milk the cows in the morning and at night. But it's such a simple life. And it's so calming. And it's so slow. And he's like, yeah, I'm never going back to the music industry. (laughs) Like, screw that. But he worked for years, like we went to Northeastern together, studied music business together, and he was fully in that rat race. And I just love how he pulled himself out of it and then found himself and found his authentic, like where he belongs, you know? It's so cool. Taking that leap and just fully like
1: not caring what other people think and just doing something for what truly makes you happy. It's a
0: beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Because I feel like with us taking the leap, you know, it's like, we took a leap to go from one ins- insane, <laughs> intense job to another insane, intense job. It's like, exactly. it's not like I took a I leap from the music industry to just work on a dairy farm. No, it's like I went from that to then like running a social media account. So it's like that energy and like um, hustle culture still exists and it's still so prevalent in both um, scenarios, whereas like I love that. He just kind of was like, you know what? I don't care about what anyone else thinks. And this has nothing to do with clout, status, followers, nothing. I just want to be part of the land. Um, And I think this is something that Gen Z is really catching on to because they I just love Gen Z. I mean, I know I generalize a whole generation and say them, but um, there's a thing on TikTok going around where they're like canceling the idea of hustle culture and girl bossing. And I think it's hilarious and something that we need. Mm
1: hmm. Absolutely. I used to have a sign. Well, it was in our gym, but it was a neon sign that said hustle. (laughs) And I was just like the kind of I would always, you know, take a lot of pride in how hard I worked. I would take a lot of pride in staying up late working. I would be like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's 1159 on a Friday, but I'll still respond to an email. You can't get any work past me. I'd be sad when uh, it was winter break because that didn't make me feel like I was a busy person. Now I'm a changed woman. I do not I do not enjoy that nearly as much. I have my moments where it feels extremely good to work and get a lot of things done, mm-hmm. but by no means do I want to feel that panic and pressure of, you know, needing to respond to someone immediately, yeah. needing to and unfortunately that is such such a thing happening right now with people following up on an email. You don't hear from them or you don't respond in 20 minutes, and then they say following up, following up. Yeah. That's That's not okay.
0: That's with, like, you know, COVID and us all working from home now, it's almost increased the level of burnout because there's no separation from work and life. And I think that even makes this whole work as an identity even worse because there's no way, like, you're living in your bed, (laughs) you're sleeping in your bed and working in your bedroom at a desk that's work. It's like there's no boundaries or separation at all, and it's just – it's hard. It's dangerous. Um, I agree. I think, you know, there's times where I feel really fired up and productive and will we'll work until those midnight nights, you know. Like with the book, I stayed up till midnight multiple days in a row, but it was because I was like excited and I wanted to. Um, but in the past, it's like <laughs> it you stay up and you're like, Yeah, like I'm I'm working so hard. And it's like, for what? For your own validation that like you're being productive. For what reason? What is this productivity for? Is it because it gives you purpose? Like, do you Mm -hmm. feel like you don't have a purpose if you're not productive? Um, And those are a lot of questions I've been asking myself this year as I kind of have taken a big mental step back from work. You almost needed to feel productive in order to be valid or like validated, which is hard. I think a lot of this comes down to
1: seeking the approval of others and – not trusting that we are enough mm-hmm. and those are the things you know no one can tell us to change that we have to change that ourselves by looking more inward and kind of taking a step back and seeing what really matter. what what do you really want to matter in your life a job that you know does have the potential to go away or you know things change bosses leave you know status changes all of that? Or do you want to feel very like steadfast in who you are and um, loving yourself? I know that's a little, little woo woo, but it's true. (laughs) Um, We have some, we have some tips on ways to kind of get out of this workism.
0: Yes. So number one is get some space from your work. So I know that's difficult to say, but like what Leslie said you know maybe take like four hours to respond to an email not 20 minutes like if there's a project that's like needs to be done right away that's understandable but I think there's a lot of things that you can do to give yourself a little bit of space from work I think that we all put so much pressure on ourselves to perform but you know people will understand like my friend today who texted me get your nails done during lunch that's okay like just take some space and have some mental clarity when you take that space and try to think about other things other than work to kind of calm your mind. And the
1: more we give a boss or a colleague or anyone really a hundred percent of our work, that's what they expect. So, you know, if you respond to emails immediately after you get them, that's going to be what that person is expecting from you. And when it doesn't happen, you you come off like you're not doing the best. Of your job ability, whereas if you have that boundary and you're like, I'm going to wait a day to respond to this text message, or I'm going to wait a few hours to to respond to this non urgent thing that you know I'm in the middle of something. Um, that alone can be very very helpful.
0: Number two, spend time with people who don't see you as a professional object or care about your job. I love this too. It's like what I said earlier. Instead of what do you do, what do you like to do? You know, spending time with people who want to talk about their day and tell a story or laugh. It's like do something that's not just like bitching about work.
1: Yeah. And it's so easy to get roped in when you're in an industry or, you know, in the social media world, if you have a lot of followers to think that you have to be hanging around other people that have followers. And that can be a very slippery slope if you don't differentiate that from being your work or from your real friends because, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the best intentions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm I'm a very highly – I'm an HSP, highly sensitive person, very <laughs> empathic. I would never do this to someone, but there are people who – you know, want to use you mm-hmm. and want just are solely, they don't care about who you are or what you're doing. They just want to use you for something. And I've been in that situation. It totally sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, So trust your gut, you know, if it's if it seems like it's too good to be true and someone you get that gut feeling that it's not right. Follow that gut intuition for sure.
0: Yeah, I just love like all my friends in New York. I've known for like, You know, five to 10 years, and no one is an influencer. And it's amazing. It's like so refreshing. I'm just like, I'm the token influencer of the group, but it's like everyone makes fun of me for it. And I love it. It's great. It's humbling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, bringing me back to earth. Yeah. Um, Number three is diversifying your interests. So this is something that I've also worked on this past year. You know, when you identify with your work, that's kind of all you think about and it's all you care about. So take a step back and maybe develop a new hobby to focus on. Or, you know, for me, I started, like, learning more about astrology and I started cooking more for myself not to post on Instagram and Mm -hmm. um, traveling more, like, going upstate and just, you know, doing things that were offline, off social media, not in the world of cheese, um, just to diversify my interests a little bit. Love that. And the fourth one is self-love and compassion. Again,
1: just – really going inward and figuring out who, what you love, uh, who you are. is <laughs> a very big question, but um, therapy is extremely helpful. Diving into books that are about this topic is very helpful. Just just learning yourself more, spending time with yourself one-on-one without the phone, without the social media. Um,
0: its it feels good. Definitely. And just know that like your true friends and family will love you no matter what. So it doesn't really matter. Like you could be a garbage man and I'll still love (laughs) you. Like also garbage men, they're great. They, they help this. Everyone has a purpose here. Okay. doesn't matter if you're like Beyonce or you're a garbage man or woman. I think everyone serves a purpose that is necessary and follow your passion, you know, like, and your passion doesn't have to be your job. It's usually better when it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, I found it kind of funny because this Atlantic article where we got a lot of these bullet points from, um, you know, they're breaking down work as an identity. They're talking about um, workism. They're like saying all these things, how to like questions and how to get out of it. And then the author at the end goes, this is the right time for a confession. I'm in the very thing that I'm criticizing. I am devoted to my job. I do feel my most myself when I'm fulfilled by my work. And it's like, it's funny because it's true. like this is such a nuanced topic. It's not like work is good nor bad. you know it's it's just a matter of finding that balance. Like it's mm-hmm. okay to love your job and it's okay to have your job as your identity. It's also okay to not really give a shit about your job and just have it to yep. make money. So we're just here to say that we support you no matter what, either way. Um, and we hope that this episode. Gave you some tips to you know, separate a little bit from the iron fist of corporate America.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at DivingInPod. Leave us a comment on what you want to hear about in our next solo episode. And please be sure to give the podcast five stars on either Spotify or Apple Podcast. It helps us a lot. Thank you.
0: See you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Diving In. This show is a resident media production produced by Drake Peterson and edits by Chris McCone. The theme song is by Rob Schinelli. As always, if you liked this episode, please share us with your friends and family. Give us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button to be reminded when a new episode comes out. If you have any questions for the show, our email is info at divingin.community. To stay up to date with all things Diving In, you can follow us on Instagram at divinginpod or visit us online by going to divingin.community. See you next time.